0: Thank you for listening to Airport Church's podcast. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com. So go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2. You know, the the reason that we are here in this place is because uh, the Lord encountered me after Seeking him for several years and then an intense amount of seeking after several months. I had an encounter with the Lord on the morning of April 1st, 2011, and he asked a question of me. He asked, if you were going to plant a church in Tallahassee, where would you put it? And I said, I would put it at the airport because there's nothing out there and it would die without you. That was my response. And. At that point, he said, I want you. To prepare a place to prepare people for my presence. And then I saw and I had an encounter with the Lord where I saw him. Planting things. I saw stuff. Um, When he spoke those words to me, I, I heard his voice. I want you to prepare a place to prepare people for my presence. When he said my presence, I was filled with the knowledge that he meant two things. He meant an end time awakening, and he meant his literal return. Now, is he coming back in my lifetime? God, I hope so. Uh, I want to see him. And so I'm, I'm filled with a passion to prepare people for his return. So if I talk about end times a lot, get over it. I want to see him. And if you read the New Testament, there's a lot of end times in the New Testament. If you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of end times in the Old Testament. If you haven't seen it, it's because you're not awakened to it, but there's a thread of end times through the entire Old Testament. It's there. Um, Beginning with Genesis 3, verse 15. I'm I'm not going there. I was just telling you that the first messianic prophecy is in Genesis three, verse 15. And then it just continues and continues and continues. And um, I, you know, I, I hear so much about um, having a, you know, in time complex, It just I think that that is the stupidest thing in the world, because how many of you want to see Jesus? I want to see Jesus. I thought that's what we were living for. Amen. So there's, uh, there was a, you know, a, a context to what God spoke to me in my encounter. And that was that it was wrapped within the context. Preparation was wrapped within this context. The same way that John's, his preparation What's the context of the first coming of Christ? So now I realize that that my preparation is the context of the second coming. That's essentially what my mandate is. And I don't think that that's any different than any other um, person who's. Has if you read this, I mean, we have a biblical mandate. We're in preparation mode for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I, I don't think that what God spoke to me is any different than what you find in, in, the Great Commission. We're in, we're in preparation mode for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. But when I think about, when I think back to the encounter that I had, there were, there were different ways that God spoke to me. I had impressions. I saw things that He specifically uh, showed me, and I heard His voice. And there were things that, he, that God whispered to me. And one of the things that we spoke about was the prophetic and the apostolic words that come to this region falling to the ground and not being stewarded. And we specifically talked about the man Dutch Sheets. We specifically, God and I specifically talked about Dutch Sheets Having come to this area and the words as as a prophet that he comes to this area has come to this area and he's spoken words and they have not been properly stewarded by the body of Christ in this area. Now, I mean, I don't have a I don't have a hang up with Dutch sheets. I don't you know, it's it's not like I was caught up with Dutch sheets or anything. It wasn't like that. It was just I just used him as an example or maybe God used him as an example with me. And so we have Ken Malone and Dutch Sheets and um, Chuck Pierce coming to this region. And I think it's, they, came in, they came two years ago, and, and um, there were three churches spearheaded this. We, we prayed together. We got together and we prayed. We, we, we took up the mantle of stewarding prior to them coming, and we're doing it again. It's not the same three. There's another three um, houses, congregations. I call them ecclesias. And I'm asking you to come with us on Tuesday nights. It's very important. I take this serious. That we steward into this prior to them coming so that when they get here, they deliver what the Lord is speaking to them for this region. And this past Tuesday night, man, there was so much coming out in our prayers about alignment with Israel. Because Hilltop, that's where we're meeting, led by Pam and Tenney, had just finished the week before the National Day of Prayer. National Day of Prayer was the 25th National Day of Prayer. And I was at the first National Day of Prayer that Pam and Tenney led. And they were asked on that day of prayer to put away their Israeli flags or else they wouldn't get the support from certain churches and pastors. Can you believe that? Can you believe the ignorance? I was there that day. So she didn't know what to do other than to comply or she wouldn't get the support. So she did. This how many of you were at the, this last National Day of Prayer? What happened? The entire National Day of Prayer was all about Israel. I mean, it was. The governor was there. The very first, uh, Pam prayed. And then the very next person to pray was a Jewish rabbi. <laughs> ha! I mean, it was powerful. The governor gets up and he speaks about Israel makes very very bold proclamations about Israel and it was I mean it was just powerful after twenty five years of toiling and I just believe that there's a, a specific alignment with our state in Israel and I believe that there will be even further alignment that is made spiritually with this with this plow conference and I I'm asking the intercessors in this house Let's get on board and let's push in the spirit on these Tuesday nights leading up to the June event. I think it's 13, 14, and 15. So come and let's let's do this on Tuesday nights. We'll be there at 7 o'clock on um, Hilltop. Genesis chapter 2. So I feel like I have an important word today. It ties directly into our mandate here. And I believe that our mandate touches not just this house, but I believe that it touches this region. So it touches people that whether you're in this house or not, um, some of you have been distributed around this region in different parts and it has to do with your land. So let's pick up in verse two, uh, verse one of chapter two. It says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which which he had done. And I just want to give a quick plug for resting on the seventh day. I think that's something that we should all do. If God rests on the seventh day, we should rest. There's only one thing in all of creation that God called holy. It wasn't man. It wasn't anything but a day. He called the day holy. And there's something about that that we need to institute. And if you will do that, God will bless you. Work six days and rest on a day. That means you don't do anything. You set that day apart and you call it holy. Amen? Mm -hmm. Hear, hear, Pastor Todd. Work six days and rest one. (laughs) No cheating. No cheating. You do what God tells you to do. (laughs) Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Look at that. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth which. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Verse seven, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. We're going to keep on. And out of the ground of the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Go to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. One more time. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. I think this is a really important verse. And so I want to just break these words apart for us and just look at them very quickly. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So very quickly, I'm just going to go through these Hebrew words. I'm not going to try to pronounce them because I'm not a Hebrew scholar and I can't speak Hebrew. The word took, it means to take. It means to procure. I love this. It means to take by the hand. It means to take as a possession I really like this one. It means to take as in marriage. To receive. And it means to lead. So God takes in marriage and leads Adam to this special place that he has prepared for him. The word put. So he takes him and he puts him. So God always has a design, doesn't he? The word put, it means to rest, to settle down and remain, to repose. To have rest and to be quiet. So he puts him here. He puts him in a place of rest. Isn't that interesting, Frank? Miss Judy's saying, hurry up and get the place where it can be a place of rest. Of course, Frank likes the work because it's therapeutic and it is actually restful to him. But Miss Judy can't even walk on it yet because it's not restful to her. <laughs> then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, and I like this word "garden" because it's it, it's interesting. the The word "garden" in the Hebrew means especially one planted with trees, a garden, especially one planted with trees, a place protected by a fence, an enclosure. It wasn't just an open space. You know, there's something about being at a place that is not enclosed. Freeze your mind. But eventually you'll get tired of that place that's open. You're going to want to go back to a place where there's some safety, some enclosure. And God knew that. So by design, I'm certain, you know, you can read, you can read how the garden was hemmed in. Maybe it was just hemmed in by those rivers, but it was enclosed. It was a garden enclosed. It was an in, there was an enclosure for this garden. It was not just a wide open space. Think about the design that God has here for Adam. Isn't God good? He took him, he put him in a garden. This Hebrew word garden is a place protected or enclosed you'll all like Eden I'm sure you probably have heard what Eden means it means a place of pleasure and it comes from another Hebrew word which means luxury isn't that just like our God he spares no expense does he comes from another Hebrew word which means luxury or delight That's God's original design, was to bring delight to us. That is our place of rest, isn't it? That place that brings all of us delight. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. I like these last two words because they don't mean what you think they mean. To tend and to keep it. Now, this is before the fall, so there is work involved in life with God prior to the curse. That's your God-given work ethic. God believes in work. Say amen. Rest does not mean absence of work. God wants us to work. All the parents say, Hallelujah. <laughs> to tend, it means dress, is another word. Serve as, this is where the Levitical priests get this word. It means to it means to serve. There's a place of of serving God that should be a delight. Should be a place of rest. How many of you can say you honestly find a place of rest in serving God? Man, anytime you're in the presence of God, there's a place of rest. I like this next word. He put him in the garden to tend it or to serve him and to keep it. The word keep in the Hebrew here, it means to guard, observe, give heed. It's where we get the word watchman. That's awesome. To retain, it means to treasure up, to observe, celebrate, keep, as in keeping the Sabbath or the covenant commands. It's where we get the word to perform a vow, to preserve, and to protect. So now he's a protector. He's a watchman. man this is this is getting deep. So as I'm looking back at this word garden and I'm looking at it in the Hebrew this pops up on my radar. go to first Kings chapter 21. Happy Mother's Day. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard or a garden. It's the same Hebrew word. Which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke with Naboth, Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it. For a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house and for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you. I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers. To you. Let's just stop right there. Wow. What a story. How many of you know what Naboth means? Naboth, his name means fruits. How prophetic that a man whose name means fruits has a garden, and this man is strategically positioned on the wall of intercession closest in proximity to the king. And now this wicked king desires to have him removed. This is crazy. What a crazy story. King Ahab desires to remove fruitfulness. Who's positioned right next to him. And I truly believe that Naboth is there symbolic of Intercession. He's been established, put in his place. That garden represents place. The same as you and I, we have been strategically pre-positioned for what is coming. Because you and I know in our spirits, we know deep in our gut in our spirit, man, that something is on the horizon. Something is coming. You know that you know that you know that God has positioned you where you are. The Lord has placed you in the position that you are at. And I have been getting this word in my spirit that Jezebel is trying to raise her head. Happy Mother's Day. Now I would say to you that I have some I have some issues with who we say Jezebel is, because Jezebel is not always a woman. And Jezebel is not always one who just comes to try and trip you up with authority. Because if you go over and you look at the church at Thyatira. You see that Jezebel is one who approves the wholesale of sexual issues. She sells sex to trip up the prophets. That's really what she does. Which is, if you take a look at the story of what goes on with Ahab, yes, she undermined Ahab, but she, what she really did was she got the prophets off their game with the wholesale of sexual immorality. That's what she did. But what we do in the church is that we blame anybody. We blame ladies who have a gift of leadership that really, you know, may not have great people skills. We call her Jezebel, and that's wrong. Can I just be honest? Happy Mother's Day. Okay, that's not what Jezebel was. She was, and and don't name your kids Jezebel. Okay, just don't do that. And don't call everybody in the church who has an issue with Jezebel. That's just wrong. Amen? Amen. No, 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 no. Come on. Say it with me. Amen. And don't call everything in the church that you don't like a demon. Amen. Some of it's just OK, probably 90 percent of it's just flesh. Right. Right. It's a lack of maturity, it's it's the lack of character, it's a lack of, of the fruit of the spirit, really. The reason the Lord wants us all together is so we can rub each other and, and find out that we we lack character and then we need to forgive one another. It's the truth. If you sit in here with me for more than two or three services, I am going to offend you, Pam Hart. Amen? <laughs> it's the truth. We're all going to offend each other. That's, that's what happens. We need blo- brotherly love. I said, started to say blubberly love. That's not right. <laughs> we need brotherly love and sisterly love. But what's going on here, I believe, is a specific attack against the point of intercession that was being made for Ahab. There was a garden planted right next to Ahab's house in Naboth, the man whose name means fruitfulness, had been assigned a strategic position of intercession for the king and for his house. And he doesn't see that because he's so filled with stupidity. He doesn't understand that there's intercession in that garden that's being made for him by this man and his family. And his strategic position is under attack by the king and his covetousness. And some of you who have been assigned a place, you've been assigned land to develop and cultivate the land. Jezebel wants to come and take your position. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to stand up against Jezebel and the covetousness that the enemy wants to strip you of Because you have been assigned an inheritance from your fathers the same way Naboth has, and God is going to give you the spirit of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to stand up against what the enemy desires to take from you. Naboth said, No, you're not going to take from me my inheritance. Who eventually destroyed what? Now, when you, when you read this story, what happened? Elijah prophesied, but it wasn't until what? we didn't see that prophecy come to pass until when? Help me out, somebody. Right, but when? Jehu. Elijah prophesied the dogs are going to do what? And it wasn't years, it wasn't until years later until Jehu goes in and throws her over. And the very thing that Elijah prophesies is exactly what takes place. I don't want to go all the way forward there because I really want to stick with. God giving you your place, because I think we're still at that stage. I really do. The Lord is we're we're at that we're at that phase here with many of you, that the Lord is giving you your place. The Lord has given you your place. He's settling you in your place. Toby and Tony are forerunners that the Lord has given you and situated you in your place. You guys are established in that. Perhaps he's going to give you a new larger place. Where you can expand your territory. But he's 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 done that so that. You can be seen for what you've been very faithful with the place that you have and the lord is holding that up holding you up so that others can see the way that you've done what you have done you've been successful at that there's something so restful about being put where the lord places you isn't there frank when you when you work and you are obedient and you you feel him pick you up and put you somewhere you know what i mean and it's it, it's a little unnerving when he puts you somewhere that you've never been before and and maybe you've been doing a cert, you've been walking a certain path for a really long time and then suddenly I mean, you still you know, it's him, but it's completely different than anything you've ever been doing before. And then suddenly he puts you there. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. He's placed there as a watchman. Listen, you're placed Where he puts you, he's put you there as an intercessor, as a watchman. Man, I I see him developing a network of intercessors and watchmen throughout this region of people that have been placed. And I think that this is so much greater And bigger than our minds can really comprehend. Miss Penny, the neighbor that you introduced me to. I I was completely astounded. She goes to Pastor Eli's church. I was completely blown away. To know that. She's picked up. Moved from Kentucky. Placed as your neighbor. Told by God. Sell what you have and move to. Tallahassee and this is happening over and over and over again that people are moving to this region to do essentially what you guys are doing maybe in just a different format something is happening do you hear me church something is happening People are selling their belongings and moving to buy pieces of land for farming. They're they're looking backwards for the future. Something is about to happen. And listen, this is not about stocking up and storing up and hoarding up. This, This is about This is about preparing so that we can help. That's what this is about. If you hoard up, you will die. If you hoard up, people will come and take what you have and leave you for dead. If you prepare your heart to save people, God will sustain you. This is about Moses sending Aaron and the priests into the midst of the plague with the burning censer to get rid of the plague. That's what this is about. Take that into you. That's what this is about. This is about running, in the, running into the midst of disaster running into the midst of crisis. This is the context of the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen and the church being ready to run right into the midst of it. That's what Matthew 24 is. Matthew 24 is harvest in crisis. This is the church shedding... Getting rid of the garments of escapism. Do you hear me? You need to let Tim LaHaye go. God bless him. But you need to let it go. You need to let go of of checking out on the rapture. I firmly believe in the rapture. But you better check out what Paul said when he said the last trumpet. How many trumpets are in Revelation? Don't be scared by that. Don't be scared by that. How many Jews died in the Exodus? How many Jews died the night of Passover? How many Egyptians died? You don't know. Thousands. Maybe millions. Why would you fear? Do you trust God? Are you ready to see unbelievable miracles? Let me tell you, what we're about to walk through, what we're about to see, we're going to see miracles, Exodus style, on a global scale. I'm telling you. That's one of the reasons that I believe that we're seeing Mount Sinai rediscovered. Are you tracking with me on that? Is anyone? Is anyone seeing that? You need to research it. Real Mount Sinai rediscovered in Saudi Arabia. You know, it's it's one thing to talk about all this stuff. It's another thing to walk through it and to walk through it without fear. Because We're not inciting fear. What we're doing is putting our trust in Jesus. And we're going to be victorious. And he's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us understanding. He's our leader. And he's a good leader, isn't he? He can be trusted. Lord, you show us the way. You give us right understanding. Jesus. Lord, we bless you. Come on, just pray in the Holy Spirit for just a minute, just pray quietly. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We look to you, Jesus. We look to you and not another. We bless you, O God. We bless you, oh God. We bless you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you, God. We bless you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have set us in the place that you desire for us, O oh God. And Lord, some you are setting them in their place, and some you are going to set in the place that you have established for them. We put our hope and our confidence in you. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and we lean not to our own understanding. In all of our ways we acknowledge you. You will direct our paths. You alone are God, and there is no other. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves. The rulers take counsel together I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. Jesus, we put our trust in you. You are the anointed one that he has set in place. The holy hill of Zion is the place that you will reign from. And we place our trust in you today. Jesus name. Oh, we bless you, Messiah. We bless you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We will behold that day when the leaders of Jerusalem come out and declare blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and they welcome you to rule from that holy place Can a nation be saved in a day? Oh, we say yes. You will save Israel. You will give Israel the land that you promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. (laughs) We bless you. Lord, give us a heart for the land of Israel. But even more, give us a heart for the people of the land. Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would give us a heart for the Muslims that surround Israel. Give us a heart to pray for them, Jesus. Give us a heart for those that are trapped in Gaza. Give us a heart for those that are trapped in the West Bank. Give us a heart, O God, to pray for those that call themselves the enemies of Israel. Give us a heart, O God. Give this body a heart to pray for those there, Jesus. God, make us a prayer furnace right here, this little place. Make us a prayer furnace, Jesus, that will dislodge the enemies of Israel. Do it, Jesus. Disturb our sleep. Awaken us. Cause us to fall to our knees and pray in the midnight hour, Jesus. calls us to pray the things that are on the Father's heart. Use us, Jesus. Cause us to cry out to you for your people, your holy people. For the hour that's coming upon them will be a hard hour. Touch our heart. Touch our heart, Jesus. Touch our heart. Touch our heart. This people here in the southeast region of the United States. Touch us, Jesus. Touch us, Jesus. Woo! Let me tell you, the only way we're going to be, the only way that the Lord is going to preserve, bring preservation, the only way He's going to do that is if we, listen, this is not about us. The only way he's going to do that is if we really get a heart for his people. I'm telling you that. The Lord's been touching my heart. I've been sitting in my recliner weeping for Israel. It is about the land, but it's more about the people. I'm telling you. Trust me. Hear me on this. It's about his people. We need to forget our romantic notions about Israel. Israel's about to walk through the greatest fire they've ever walked through. Read your word. Hear me. Read Daniel. Pick up in Daniel chapter 9. The reason that Daniel was given the revelation he was given about the end times is because he was the man he was of Daniel 1 through 8. The character of the man of Daniel 1 through 8 gave Daniel the revelation of Daniel 9 through 12. Read it. The holy people are wrecked. That's why he says many times that he was sick. He was sick unto death because he caught the vision of how. Man. If you think the Holocaust was something. The people of Israel are about to walk through the worst thing they've ever gone through. The Jews around the world are about to walk through the worst. The worst of the worst. And it is going to require the Western church is going to require the church being the church in this hour to intercede in a way that we have never. Man, we need some Bonhoeffers. We need whew, We need some Bonhoeffers. Do you know who Bonhoeffer was? We need some Bonhoeffers. Man, do you look like Bonhoeffer. If you have ever seen the front cover of the book of Bonhoeffer, you look like Bonhoeffer. You need some glasses. We need some Bonhoeffers in this hour to stand up are, are you aware of the anti-Semitism that's going on across America right now? Jesus. I'm so sorry for, for, for delaying and getting us out of here. But I just feel so touched with this right now. We must intercede for our... our, our and listen, it's not just about Israel, but it's, it's the Jewish church. It's praying for revival because Isaiah 60 clearly says that there is a last days revival that is going to ignite in Israel. The glory of the Lord is going to come down. But that doesn't happen just spontaneously. It happens because there's a church alive in a well on planet Earth that prays it into existence. And that doesn't happen unless we get busy praying for it to happen. What if we got busy praying for that to happen? Do you know what would happen? Jesus would come back. (laughs) So let me end by saying this. I started by saying this. How many of you want to see Jesus? I want to be a forerunner of that, so let's get busy praying for Israel. Lord, we pray. We end the service today by praying for Israel. We pray for the Messianic church that's alive in a well, the ecclesia, the remnant. Elijah said, I'm the only one. And you said, Elijah, there are 7,000. I preserve myself a remnant. This message was brought to you by Airport Church in Tallahassee, Florida. We pray you were encouraged by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this message. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com.